Stevens, the are you the second or the third? I know your dad's name off too, right? I'm a, I'm a junior. I think that's number two, right? Robert Stevens Jr. Yes. Yeah, uh, how's how's the weather? It is let me look out the window. It is overcast and looks real shitty out. That's real terrible. Hey is overcast. My favorite thing was my favorite thing. As far as it was literally every Friday. I mean, it's just always, and I just run and uh, it's near out here. So I'm really happy. My audio is not great. A little Wi Fi issue here, Robert. Hey, you're having a little Wi Fi. Uh, I'm going to have to carry this show today. So I'm ready for that. I'm ready. I'm ready for all that. We're going to. Who's to say? Today, um, number one, if you're on Twitter, there's a comment. We're going to talk a bunch about college baseball and the news. I don't know if it's getting through to you or not. Um, and we're also going to talk a little bit about uh, former coaches and workouts that we've and I'm sure of difficult workouts and what they do for young athletes in conversation. Um, but first, can you hear me? Uh, you're choppy, so I'm just going to assume what you say, and I'm going to answer that. Dang. Okay. Well, you start us off with college baseball. College so, baseball. Well, we got a couple things in college baseball, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I'm going to touch on the first thing that hits home a little bit for me. So there's a few programs that have come out. Uh, Bowling Green University and the MAC, which is a school I played against often. Um, Furman, I don't know, Furman University. I'm not quite sure where Furman's at. Uh, they both have dropped college baseball as a sport. Um, sounds like a few schools are considering it. One of them in Chicago, Chicago State University, uh, has tabled a vote until June 22nd, I believe, to determine whether or not baseball is going to have uh, a place on that campus going forward. And it seems like there's discussions on other schools um, making cuts schedule alterations for college baseball, but the Chicago state one is really hitting home. Um, I'm good friends with the coaching staff. I know a lot of the players. Yeah. I have a a player as well. Well, a couple actually that I know. So I think in, uh, I know a lot of them have entered the transfer portal and, you know, my feeling on it is, is just how irresponsible it feels that they are waiting until June 22nd to make a decision on this and leaving all of these kids, including the coaching staff, just in limbo of, of their future. And I just don't I, – I can't for the life of me figure out any justification for waiting that long on a decision because it seems like a decision has already been made and they want to table that until it gets to the point where all these kids transfer and makes it easier on themselves. You know, I don't know. Have you – what do you feel, Dan? I mean, we've got – we obviously both have college baseball backgrounds. You know, I hate to see college baseball take a step back in some of these schools, but this one feels just feels wrong as opposed to how Bowling Green and Furman did it, where at least they give the kids some time to find a new home. You never want to see baseball dropped, but this feels just utterly mishandled, mishandled in my opinion. 
support business decisions, I'm not going to over converting. Some of them need to not exist, and I'm going to hear them. But it's widely known baseball doesn't make money. It loses money. So my internet stable, as far as I know, Bob, so I'm but might be you. Uh, it's but, um, you know, like we're in a league baseball. It's like they're they're playing. I have any sense for the injury baseball versus they cut it. And I think the point here is eating a month for kids. It just over. They used to find another place. Of yeah, they need to do a decision as soon as possible, which they're not going to do. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know where I fall on that issue. Now, as far as other issues in college baseball, there is a pull from the the power conference coaches. And this was something I was reading from um, uh, Kenneth on college base or D1 base.com. Interested, they're proposing the season beginning. What the season was March 18th, and championship, you know, the College World Series would run in July, so 25th through 25th. Which, uh, Bobby, if you can hear me, uh, I can barely hear you, but uh, I think that's a good move, honestly, for college baseball. I think it makes a ton of sense to start playing games, um, at least in somewhat of warmer weather to start. I think it, I think from a cost benefit, it makes a ton of sense to have schools start in March where they don't have to travel for that first six week period. They can. They still do it. They can still do a trip. They can still do, you know, some kind of spring break trip, but they don't have to travel for those other weekends. So I do like the idea. I think it's going to have some negative, uh, some negative pushback from some of these college baseball leagues. And I think it's going to have some negative effects that have yet to be seen or yet to be uh, realized from, you know, maybe just from a draft standpoint, recruiting standpoint, you know, there's going to be a lot of things that intertwine with moving a season back, but I, I don't see the negative for some of these power five schools that draw three to 4,000 fans every game at their, you know, on their college campuses. Well, I think weird summer baseball, because I think my tenure in college, we only played two tournaments where we were playing after the season was done. And uh, it felt really eerie being like, no, so I, I like the kind of hustle and bustle of it's, some like it's a college on and a college baseball, but uh, for that, especially if you're a big, smaller, I think it's really eerie and weird being on campus for, for two solid months with your feet and having island practices and your games with like on. So that's about it. I think it makes sense moving. Northern Hemisphere, half of the country. It's absolutely miserable baseball in March. In March, 
you and then you about RC programs Wi-Fi. So I'm not really sure. You're out there. We're struggling. On. With college football, it's just one of those things where uh, uh, what's best. I think in a warmer, warmer climate most of the year is probably a good way to do it. I don't know, Bob, how do you feel about it? Uh, well, I didn't catch much, much of what you said because you're choppy, but uh, I heard warmer climate, and I just think it makes – uh, I think it makes a ton of sense to at least try and get fans to all baseball. I mean, I think you should open up alcohol to some of these, to some of these college baseball games for alcohol sales to get some of the college kids interested or tailgating at least. Uh, I just don't know, you know, college baseball is a, is a non-revenue producing sport. Like you, like I caught a little bit of what you said there. Um, I I think if they have to do something to to either put a jolt in the arm of college baseball or bring baseball to the forefront, and now seems like the best chance to do it. I mean, it, with the shortened season and all the changes happening because of uh, the situation in the country here, I think you have to at some point make a decision on whether or not if if you have to make a decision whether or not baseball is worthwhile sport to have at the school you've got to give it the best chance to succeed um you know i do think one of the negative effects is a lot of these colleges do rent their fields out in the summer as as part of a revenue producing um uh stream you know through tournament companies and i know we play a lot of tournaments northwestern university over here uh uic some of the smaller colleges the naia schools and the d3 schools in the area have their have their fields going seven days a week to high school youth teams, not only does it help recruiting, but it also helps. Uh, Bobby, can you, can you hear me now? Hey, Dan, there we are. There Why didn't are. you tell me that I was on the wrong microphone this whole time? I probably sounded terrible. Dan. Thank you to all of you on YouTube, uh, Kevin and Kevin and everybody. Um, I had the wrong mic selected. And, Bob, and this is really Bobby's fault because you should have heard that I was, I sounded terrible. <laughs> the hell do I know? The whole time, the whole time. You gotta, man, have, I don't, I don't you gotta have your co-host. You, you just hung your co-host out to dry, man. Well, well at some, at some, you know, this is my point, fault. This is my fault, but I'm gonna do a Donald Trump and blame it on you. So it's good for. Hey, sometimes you need a little taste of your own medicine. I had to leave you out, you know, in a feeling for 11 minutes there too. No, thank you uh, to those of you on YouTube. Uh, this one of the perils of doing the show live. Like when stuff goes wrong, you're just like, well, uh, hope it goes better for the next part. Um, but thanks for the suggestion about the mic. Uh, this mic is goes through my audio recorder, which then gets routed into my camera, which then gets routed through uh, HDMI into a cam link into my computer. So it's a nice convoluted system that gives us this beautiful picture. Um, but I just had the wrong one selected because of the, the podcast I did yesterday. I actually have two secret podcasts that I'm on as a co-host. So anyway... Um, all right, so we're back. Congratulations, Bobby. You have a co-host again. I was I was a little worried. I felt I felt like if you, if you got disconnected, this thing would have went south real quick. Well, it should have still worked on my other mic. Anyway, so okay, so college baseball. I just think it's yeah. I think it's a good thing moving forward 
starting in March because it's absolutely miserable playing. Like my first college baseball series was in uh, Norfolk, Virginia against Old Dominion. This was the year after Verlander left. So um, we played, I think my first game was 14 innings. We went extras and it was snowing. And it's like, I hate baseball. Is this what baseball is? I hate, I hate this. Like it was just miserable. It was like four and a half hours shivering on the dugout. And I don't think that's a good, like half the season is like that. If you're in the the mid Atlantic or, or more North, you know, all these schools up there have to, they have to travel so much and spend so much money to go South to play where they're not, it's just not absolutely miserable. I mean, even now it's still 60 some days, which is, is warm enough, but it's like bone chilling when you're sitting out there in the bleachers. Parents, you all know this. It's like 60 degrees. You're like, oh, it's great out. And you sit in the stands. And then by the fifth inning, the sun goes down. And you're like, yeah, this was a trap. This was a trap. So, you know, I mean, we were always looking, right? We're always looking for a way to level the playing field between the Arizona states of the world that are in nice weather with the unbelievable campus with all the recruiting and glitz and glamour and the, the northern Illinois of the world that are in the cornfields of of northern the, the northern part the, of Illinois and the Kelb, the northern Illinois of the world, the the the, the, the doldrums, uh, and I think this I think this helps. I mean, if you put it like we were talking, I was talking about Chicago State earlier. Like Chicago State for for everything that might be dysfunctional about the school right now has a beautiful baseball field. I mean, all turf, brand new, three million dollar field, less than five years old. You know, mm-hmm. that field doesn't get utilized for home games. They, they must they must play 10 home games, 11 home, 12 home games a year out of 56 game schedule on a three million dollar field. Now, it's not, not a good it's not a good. Uh, no, it's not a good cost, ratio cost, cost per cost per game. But if you're I mean, if you're if you're trying to recruit at that school and, you know, we're both very good friends with uh, the recruiting coordinator, Dave Harden. Shout out to Dave. I'm 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 good friends with Dave sometimes and I'm OK friends with Dave other times. Depends if he wants to text me back within four days or not. So. Dave, oh, if you're listening, call Dave out. French, your friendship it needs to be better. Text but if people you're, back within if a week. If you're Dave, or if you're the recruiting coordinator there, and you're trying to recruit a kid, and you're showing him Chicago State's field, and they're like, you know, this is a really nice facility for you to play college baseball at, and then the kid looks at the schedule and he's like, well, we only play <laughs> three home series all year, and then we're on the road, and on the road might be another selling point, right? They go, they're in the whack, they travel to a lot of nice places. But you can't even take advantage of your home facilities in the, if you're above, if you're north of, uh, I don't know, Memphis. Like you just you don't get a chance to take advantage of everything you got. So I think pushing the season back makes a ton of sense from from a lot of standpoints, and it's beneficial. But I mean, it's really evening the playing field a little bit for the northern schools, which is solid. I mean, that's you know as a as two kid, two guys who played baseball in cold weather states, uh, you know, I like to see the I like to see the playing field leveled slightly for some of these schools to give them a fighting chance. Fighting a fighting chance, like the fighting yeah. the fighting Redbirds. But this right, is so a this is so a good transition. To, I want to transition, we're gonna, Dan. We're going to switch to politics for a minute. No, oh, Bobby. All right. How do you feel about our president not wearing a mask? Uh, all right. I am. Here's here's my stance on lots of things that end up being political. I'm very pro your your ability to choose. So like if I had the choice to not wear a mask, I would personally 
choose not to wear a mask in a lot of situations. So I'm okay with it. I think the optics are good. You know, he's, he's portraying a little bit of confidence. We talked a little bit off air about it. Um, I'm okay with it. I understand the people that want to wear masks. And if you want to wear a mask and you feel like it's a, something that you need to do personally, I'm all for it, but I'm very pro your, your ability to choose how you'd want to proceed in this uh, current environment that we live in. When do you, okay. Going in on that, when do you feel like it's, it shouldn't be your right to choose when you could legitimately harm a lot of other people? So, I mean, like say, say you want to wear a blindfold while driving a car. Is that your right to choose? <laughs> well, that's, yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. Uh, so, okay, all right. So, so, you, so you believe there's a point, obviously, like when it shouldn't a, be your, that it shouldn't be your right to choose. Like it should be for the good and the good of the, of the Commonwealth to not so wear a blindfold. That's not I your think, choice that you should be allowed to make. I think a better example is, so in Illinois, we, if you go inside to a store, I have not gone into a store yet that says you don't, that's not requiring a mask. So everybody's requiring a mask and, and okay, like private business, you know, if they ask you to wear a mask when you go inside, similar to no shirt, no shoes, no service type yeah. deal, then okay. Like I can choose not to go to that store. Like I can choose not to eat at the local burger place. Yeah, of course. Um, but I think if there was a, if there was a situation, Illinois push it back a month and they're like, okay, masks are now optional. I would choose not to wear a mask. Um, I'm, I understand why some people might wear a mask, but if they're not making it mandatory by the government, which I, I'm totally against government, you know, putting the, you know, may I'm, I'm totally against more red tape from the government in any aspect, but if it's optional, then I think it should, then I'm okay with people deciding to wear a mask. Now, if it's mandatory, then I'm going to wear a mask. Well, that's, the, de- well, that's, the, that's the definition of, op- of optional. You can't be upset. If it's optional. Well, that's, but that's, but that's not. So there's one place in Chicago. It's a, it's a fast food. It's Greek restaurant where they're not, where masks are not mandatory. And this, this happened to me last, I don't know, Wednesday. I went in there. I ordered food. I didn't have a mask on. The guy working didn't have a mask on. The workers had no masks on. And there's a woman in there who has a mask on who I'm probably 20 feet away from. And she's making it a point to talk very loudly to the guy working about how she wishes people would just wear masks all the time and how ignorant it is not to wear a mask to a guy who's not wearing a mask and her opinion. Like I wanted to say something and I didn't because wait, she was wearing a mask or was not, she was wearing a mask, but nobody else in the place was. And we were all at least 10 feet from this woman minimum. Um, And also the guys working were behind a plastic, you know, plexiglass. But okay. she was she was spouting out her opinion on which is fine. You can't have your opinion that people should wear masks. But she chose to come into an establishment that wasn't requiring masks. So at that point, I I wanted to say something. I didn't say anything. I just went about. I ordered my food. I I left. I didn't actually hang around and inside and wait for my food. I waited outside. Um, but she was making a point. I like, talk very loudly. Like she, so, obviously, I could hear and everybody else could hear her opinion that okay, we should so- all be wearing masks. Yeah, I agree with you. She if she doesn't have she doesn't she didn't have to venture into that store. That's fair. Right. That's yeah. so that's my um, that's my, you know, stance. I mean, I so the first time I I walked to the grocery store, this was many weeks ago now, and I didn't have I didn't own a mask at that point, and I got turned away. They said you can't come in without a mask. I'm like, "Oh, when did that become a thing? Like is there like some sort of like radio tower that was going to tell me that? Like how was I supposed <laughs> to know?" But a bit, anyway, I was irritated because I walked for 10 minutes 
and then had to walk home with nothing. Uh, but at the same time, I was like, you know what? It's for the good of other people, not just myself. And so I like, couldn't be really disgruntled about it. So whatever. Um, and that's still how I feel about it. Like, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't wear a mask when I walk out of my apartment and go in my elevator. Um, when I'm outside, I don't. When I run, I don't. If I go in a restaurant or somewhere I have to, I do. And even when they lift that, I probably will to the grocery store for a while just because why not? Because I'd rather not, not pick it up. It's not that big a deal. Uh, obviously, the guy, the guy at Costco was wrong. You still have fat dude who was real pissed and like tried to shame this guy on Costco. He ended up just going viral for the wrong reasons. Right. Just Costco, it's Costco's it's Costco's policy. Like it's Costco's but, policy. Like deal with it. So just put, the, just put the mask on. Like you said, it's no shoot, no shoes, no shirt, no service. It's fine. Right. And if that's if that's the store policy, like if the store starts saying you have to wear you have to wear parkas they when have you come been in for many months. Been well known that at Costco you have to wear a mask. Well right. Known. But you know they tell you you can't wear. You, you know you go to some nightclub wait, in you Chicago. Arguing, wait, are, wait, are you arguing against this now? This was just your point a minute ago that if it's the store policy, then. Are you arguing against your own point? I'm confused. No, no, no. I'm, I'm agreeing. I'm, I'm, I'm furthering okay, my point. Okay. Um, okay. Like there's, there's back, bars in Chicago. Back to Trump. There's, yeah, yeah, okay. There's bars in the back. Chicago. Like you can't wear ripped jeans, and I understand. So if you wear ripped jeans and you try and go there, it's like, hey, that's the policy. Like it might be style, it might be whatever, but they don't let you wear ripped jeans. That's just tough. Okay, Fair. like that's fine. So back to Trump, and I wanted to bring this up because I know you figured I'd be on the other side, but I did. Um, so, like, my parents are on the side of everything D Trump does is terrible. And I'm generally on that point because I think he's just the worst. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's important to try to see other people through whatever objective lens you can. And so having read some of Scott Adams' books, so if you're out there, Scott Adams is the Dilbert creator. He's very outspoken. I'm actually not super a fan of how Scott communicates. It comes off really that he just basically knows everything that's ever ever been possible to be known like it, yeah, it's, it gets it gets he, he's like, it's like dude like come on dude. yeah like, come on dude you don't know you're not right about everything and of course he that's like kind of his platform he like has a book that says how to fail at everything and still win bigly but he's also just like getting kind of smug but anyway um agreed looking at how trump operates i understand why he's not been wearing a mask because at this point in this whole thing it's like He's trying to project confidence and he's trying to project that this isn't as bad as it is, even though he's clearly bungled and shown his incompetence, which I know you don't agree with that, but a lot of people do. Um, seems to be more objectively true than ever. But anyway, um, he's not wearing a mask because if he's wearing a mask, he's saying, I'm afraid too. I'm the leader of this country and I'm also afraid. And as a leader, he's trying to say, I'm not afraid. Like I'm going to be okay and you could be okay too. And I think that messaging... I think there's a place for that, even though I think he needs to be he's at, in an at-risk at group. He's obese. He's not morbidly obese, but he's certainly obese just by all measures of it. And he's 74 years old. Like he if he gets it, he could die for sure. Yeah, so he's an older guy. he under I'm sure he understands that. But um, and others understand that. And of course, the other side of it is that he's saying when he's not wearing a mask, that's OK to not wear masks, which is probably not the right messaging for a lot of people. But again, it, that's just seeing the two sides of it. I don't really have an opinion. I just I want to talk about this because even though I deplore Trump, I see what he's doing. And, and that's a, the re that's I'm for sure. That's the reason that he's doing it. Like he's he's trying to say, hey, I'm confident. I think this is going to be OK. I'm not going to get sick. You know, and I think that's a reasonable thing from leaders like leaders have to stick their head out of the out of the trenches when things are really bad and say, 
like we're going to get through this. You know what I mean? So I think that's a little bit about what, of what he's doing, not wearing a mask. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think you, you're on the right track with that's it's optics. I mean, he may be, he may have different motives. Obviously we don't know like what he's thinking or why he's doing anything essentially, but Oh, he's all sorts of motives. Yeah. All sorts of motives. Yeah. Maybe, whatever. maybe he's doing this to, he's going to, he's going to have a financial windfall from this somehow. So yeah, it's all, it's always shady motives. It's, it's gotten to the point where it's like everything, like if he does something, if he cures cancer, they're going to say like, why the hell would you cure cancer type deal? Like everything's opposition narrative to him, which is whatever. I think it looks good. Um, I, like I told you before, I really haven't been, I've been, disconnected from the news for a couple of days, like what's happening. And I haven't seen any of the press conferences. So I've been um, a lot less engaged as well. I don't want to listen. I'm, I'm pretty, over you know, it. I, I'm, yeah, I, I'm more, I'm more into like what's happening locally. Cause Illinois is like a dumpster fire of, of politics. Currently uh, we talked about it where the governor is, the governor's got us on like straight lockdown and he's got, he's going to Wisconsin. He's going to Florida. Like you don't know what the hell's going on in Illinois. It's a terrible state currently. Um, well, it's got terrible weather. So everyone's angry all the time. We're just a disgruntled group of individuals that collectively are hating one person right now. Um, and I'm, and I'm all for that. hate. I'm all for that. hate. Uh, but I want to transition back moving on. Yep. Yeah. I want to transition back into something that Illinois specifically, uh, has put on the table I'm hearing, and that's moving the high school baseball season to the fall. Uh, basically starting at when football starts and ending at some time in mid November. Uh, what do you got, Dan? What do you think? How is that? You're, how is that going to work? How is that going to work with kids that play football? That's the question. So football would flip to springtime and be and supplement for baseball season. So they why? would flip flop. So like, okay. So why? Why do um, that? Why are they debating? Like what's doing the reason? What's the what's the reasoning? Yeah. Uh, I think the I think the main reasoning is weather. Um, football, like they're playing. F- I mean, football. It's not going to make a difference because they're going to start in the cold and finish in the hot. Um, but baseball, at least you're starting in the warm weather and finishing in cooler weather. Similar to, I mean, it mirrors more of the MLB season, which I think makes so, sense. So they're going to probably get going like end of August, like as soon as school starts, and just finish up like yeah, I end, think end of September or no, th- wrong wrong month, end of or probably beginning of October. Yeah. So I think that, I think it's, they're going to start, they're start practicing beginning of August, similar to how football starts or camp mid August, they start games. They run for two months to mid October. And then you've got basically four weeks of playoffs. So if you're is playing two, towards two end, months is two months enough. Uh, that's what they do now. So they start mid March, go through mid May and then they start playoffs. Hmm. So, but yeah, but I that's am, the thing. I like one, November, November is going to be bitter cold. Again, right. Illinois is like the worst, the worst state for weather in, 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 in the history of mankind. So I don't see how you're playing baseball mid November. I mean, you could like, sometimes it's like, okay, but it could also be snowing. It could also be 20. So that, so my uh, counter to that is the, is the last is the two weeks in November would essentially be the last two weeks of the state playoffs. And those state playoffs are played at bigger venues. And if you go similar to where you were at in Bloomington, like if you go to Bloomington or even Southern Illinois, it's pretty warm still into November. I'm not, I'm not saying unseasonably warm, but it's in the 60s, 50s, 60s. You could play baseball in that. 
That's wrong. I'm for it. Um, that's just I'm for it. That's just that's just in, incorrect uh, weather data. No, look but, at weather.com. Weather.com. Well, I'm going to. However, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, the first the first half of baseball season in Illinois is miserable. Like they don't play any games from March to April because it just rained out and snowed out and sadness from the cold it out. It's just uh, like they don't get a lot of baseball done. So I get that. So you're kind of trading. Does the back is the back end really cold or do we lose all of our games early? Because it doesn't rain a lot or snow in August, September and in the first part of October. So that I think that it makes sense. Like that's they're going to get a lot more games in fast. Yeah. If they do that, which is obviously a good thing. But then you also just get to the point where what happens if like November 1st, you know, state playoff round A goes and it snows and then it snows again because Illinois is really stupid. And then it snows again. It's like, well, we just bang this, bang the championship. Like you could definitely get to the point yeah. where it snows a lot. And now it's 20 degrees. Then it snows a little more Then it's 15 degrees. And it's like, ah, we just can't get this done. Like it's time to call it quits. I feel like that no, could think, be problematic. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, there's no good way to do it unless they move it to the summer. But I think this, I think it to have it mirror like MLB playoffs and the same well, that, time. Well, then what, are, what do they do in the spring then? Just twiddle their thumbs. So go to school like a normie, like a narc. Well, that's where that's where I think it benefits somebody like myself, where we run the travel programs because now we can. Oh, adjust. you just want to enrich yourself, yes. just like the president. Yes, sir. But I, the Bobby I Stevens think hotels makes... will be packed with diplomats so, in March. So my vision of how it also, works. So we got to we got to stop. What's this like Backstreet Boys look that you have going on? You're like lounging with your white t-shirt and you got like hey. product, product in your hair. It's a little early for all that. No, no product. This North Central. Go go cards. Okay. All right. Um, this I just woke up like this. This is how I do it. Um, I think so for travel programs and I, I assume most for high school training, like we start November 1. Um we go November, December, January, February, and then we lose the kids March 1. We lose them for their three months, then we get them back June 1st. So to eliminate that, you know, we could, you know, I I think it makes a lot of sense because we could start January 1st. We could run all the way through July um, with the travel programs, and then the kids can play through Halloween and have that time off, like that set time off. Because when the way it's currently constructed – Kids don't really have a, a set rest period if you're playing fall ball, and fall ball's pretty important for kids that want to get recruited at, at a younger age. Um, so I think it makes a lot of sense to have them basically playing January through October, taking November, December off, and then starting back up at, from a training standpoint, from a rest standpoint. Um, I do like how that schedule would shape up. Uh, and I, and I think it, I think it lends itself to a lot more recruiting, honestly, like it's going to make high school baseball at their high schools, very relevant for recruiting, which currently is, it's not relevant at all. I mean, there's kids that essentially, who's, I who's that see. handsome, who's that handsome devil on the screen? You tweeted <laughs> to my photo. You look like a carrot. You look literally like a carrot. You're the most orange Hey. I mean, that's like the screen plus plus the camera, or the, the phone maybe screen. I was, but maybe I was talking about you, Dan. Maybe I was you look like a carrot, a carrot human. All right. Sorry. I wasn't listening <laughs> to anything you said. Carrot, carry on. I was typing out a tweet. I just I said, I think it makes total sense 
from a, like, if you want to make high school baseball relevant, which it's not like, it's currently not relevant. Um, how do, how do you, how do you just, okay. That's, so that's a good point. That's a, that's a good point. If it's in the fall, all these coaches can come out and watch them. Right. And it's their, their inner squads. Yeah. So it, it'll, it, it takes the place of, of travel fall ball, which is a, which is an absolute it's the worst. So it's, it's a, a terrible thing. Don't ever play absolute, baseball in the fall. That's the worst. So the, I have, I'm, I disagree. Like I love baseball. I personally love baseball in the fall. I hate organizing it because it's a shit storm. It's just not like you have half the kids cause some play football. It's you have half the venues, the pre like it's all, it's a mishmash of baseball, but ideally the weather's really nice in September and, and beginning of October to play baseball. So I'm all for uh, moving baseball to the fall. I think it lines up. I think it makes high school baseball more relevant in, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, I think it makes, I think it makes training a lot easier because it gives you a set schedule with set break time, um, November, December for kids to just rest their arms, get some downtime. Um, and they basically start up in the summer. So they have a, so they start up in warm weather, like Memorial day for travel ball. And you kind of bypass all that crappy weather arms. Yeah, but hurt. how do you, but how do you handle all this this crappy football lifting? They're playing football all the time. They're being run like crazy, and then they just hit baseball season, and they have like none of that gap right now. They have a couple month gap where they're away from the the psychotic football coaches. Who obviously there are some great football coaches, but um, if you're a football coach out there, you might be or are very likely to be one of the ones who does a terrible job with your lifting program and refuses to let anyone else help you and refuses to let kids do anything that's specific to other sports. It's just like power cleans and squats and that whole 1980s football thing. So there's still a huge percentage of the football yeah. coaches in high school out there who do an awful job with their strength and conditioning, are completely controlling with all of it, are just they have no objectivity in letting players do what's good for them for all sports, for them as a whole athlete, and they hold these kids hostage. So you have to be at every practice. You have to be at every lifting session. You have to do a million power cleans and these terrible – poorly supervised, barely even taught how to do a squats and deadlifts and all their benching. So now they're doing all that the entire spring. And then they just jump right into baseball season. That seems less than ideal. If there's no gap right now, we have a two month gap where we can, you know, get kids in December and January and in February right. into shape and they have bullpens and they have structure and they have arm care and all this mm -hmm. stuff, which that, that losing that gap, I think is problematic. Yeah. I think, it, I mean, it's not a perfect system by any means. I mean, the perfect system is to have no football players playing baseball, I think. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not advocating well, unfortunately, for that. Well, unfortunately, so if this was in the Northeast or something or the mid Atlantic, probably less problematic because there's just so many more talented players in a condensed area and so many less small schools that less kids make their varsity, other sports teams. Like you're, if you're a basketball player, you're playing basketball, in, in Illinois, there's so many small towns where right. they're playing three sports. It, there's just no way around it, and uh, you're just not going to shake that. So that's a that's a problem. Yeah, I mean, it's no like I said, no perfect solution. I like personally the way it lines up and the and the look of it. Um, you know, whether or not it comes to fruition, uh, it probably probably a long shot, I would think, but there's been, it has been in talks for more than just, you know, the last couple months, it's been in talks with the, with the major conference, the, the Catholic league and, and Chicago where, I mean, if you, if you know anything about uh, Illinois sports, I mean, the Catholic league dominates all sports. They're, they're a very 
powerhouse private private school centric conference that big in football, big in basketball, big in baseball. So if they make a move, then I think every other, you know, everybody else in Illinois will follow suit because there have been talks that they're going to branch off from from the IHSA, uh, the Illinois High School Sports Association, and just do their yeah. own thing. So well, Kevin, yeah, Kevin, Kevin from Kevin from YouTube is saying that, um, and he always has some very thoughtful comments. He's a he's a dad we've connected on um, on Twitter uh, that they should just shift forward a month like the college baseball is proposing and finish their season, you know, in July. That seems like a good solution because again, it so- it solves that football gap problem that we were just talking about. It solves right. the weather issues. Um, so here's here's the here's the devil's advocate for me with that is. High school sports, they like to keep it within the school year, if that yeah. makes sense. So, if but why? You push but why? It, but why? But, but why? Why does it have to be? Uh, so, I mean, but, I think it, I think it matters a lot more for like the outgoing seniors. You know, I, I think you lose interest from those seniors if it gets into the summer because if they are baseball players and you get into June, July, like those kids are gearing up to go play college sports like go play but what is ge- what, what does gearing up mean they're at home like playing call of duty no Do some of them still go play to call of duty what, whatever they're playing whatever of, games they play call of duty is the big one call of call of twitch is that a thing <laughs> i'm not twitch twitch of duty war uh, of twitch duty i don't know i'm just candy is stuff. can they do candy crush is that a thing so twitch candy duty crush i don't but i don't know i mean i think that's not really that big of a deal i feel like that can be yeah, I mean, like, selfish, selfishly, selfishly, it, it it would take away from, uh, again, summer baseball, like travel baseball. Not that it's the end-all, be-all. Yeah, screw, uh, screw summer baseball. But, we need a break. We need the tournament companies to go out of business. So That's what but, we need. But here's can, the thing, Then you can though. make your own schedule. You can make your own schedule. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. In July. Most recruiting is done. I think you hurt high school baseball if you push it into July. Because then I think you're making kids choose between – club baseball and high school baseball just based purely on recruiting because i don't think college coaches because these tournament companies this is this is specific to illinois what i'm talking about i think these i think the college coaches they're going to go to the tournaments over the high school games in in my in my opinion you know i think it depends on their on their on their geography i think if anything you know if your school's done i mean a lot of colleges are done for second week of may if they don't make the conference tournament they're done so now high school baseball is still playing for four more, five more weeks. They can go see, you know, Bobby, uh, slap it or in slap wherever slap in it. Illinois, they can get in their car instead of having to go to these big, stupid tournaments. Cause all like we talked about before the at these big, stupid tournaments, they still have to know who they're going to see and why they're going to see them. They got to plan it out. Yeah. So but there's, but you're talking they about can a, hit big a bunch of high schools in an area. Yeah. But you're talking yeah. about a big congregation and, and that's and that's assuming that some of these colleges only recruit locally. Like most of these, like D one schools are national recruiting, whether they're getting kids from all states or not. Like they're looking for the best players they can find. So that's fine. But it's, I just it's, it's I think you're going to make for them to recruit local. They get in state tuition. It it makes things a lot easier. And just yeah, because it, they haven't recruited as much maybe locally because they can get national. Maybe this allows them to, to say, hey, recruiting locally makes a lot more sense because I can drive to three games today and be back home for dinner with my family rather than I have to go spend a, a weekend in Indianapolis and watch a bunch of kids that were in the area anyway. But you're talking about 
driving to three games when that guy can see four games simultaneously at a tournament. I'm not advocating simultaneously. Plus, again, he can can watch the shortstop hit on field one and then walk over to field two and watch a half inning that the army wants to see. Yeah, but that's a big assumption that those kids are all playing at the same time on the same clover cluster of fields, which they're always not. Like, what are are the odds that he wants to see Bobby Stevens and you're playing at field three and I'm pitching on field two and we're right behind each other at the same time? That never happens. It's not, but it's if you have a group of kids that can't tell their right foot from their left foot, then on the other field, you got a group of kids that are just destroying everybody and you watch them for a little while, but their best pitcher is not pitching. Then you go over there. And you got a, uh, you know, kids eating dandelions and then you got a bunch of mediocre kids everywhere else. Like most of the you, kids are just not that good. You know, as well as I do that when you're at these tournaments, I mean, coaches are pretty friendly from NL levels. So they come up to your dugout, they ask you for a roster and they say, who's, you know, who should I watch? Who, you know, give me a recommendation. So if that's how recruiting is done for some of these schools, just some, and they're we not identifying. We, we didn't get that very much unless they were already following us. So we would get that a lot at the bigger tournaments, um, the Indianapolis's, and you get, you know, you get a handful of coaches that come over and ask you for a roster, and they, you know, mm-hmm. hey, you know, Bobby, who do you think, like, who do you got here that I would be, you know, I, I'm North Central University or college, North Central College Division Three in Naperville, you know, who do you got for me? And I'd be like, all right, well, watch the kid pitching, he's 80, 81, you know, whatever. You tell him a little bit for two, three minutes, and then maybe he marks those kids down and watches them. I mean, that's but here's the. Then that's fair, but here's the thing. When's your first tournament most years? June, first week of June, second week of June? Call, call it June 1. So you're only pushing it back three weeks, but now you're giving the colleges a lot more weeks to recruit in high school season because the, the, the gap between May 15th and June 1st was only two weeks prior, and, that's, and then kids are done baseball in high school. But now that week extends another two weeks. So now it's five weeks, and colleges are done. So now they have five actual weeks instead of basically zero weeks. Because previously high school is done and college is done, and there's yeah. a gap. I just now, think pushing it going. Back, yeah, I think pushing it back forces college coaches in June and July to choose whether or not they're going to go watch one specific high school game or a handful in it a day. It doesn't seem like it's it just doesn't seem like it's binary to me though. Like it's not like oh I, I can't go see this kid because I'm seeing they're still seeing kids. They're still, They're still seeing human, human but, baseball players. Like, what's the difference? But if you're recruiting by volume, like if you're going where the most concentrated number of kids are, you're going to go to the tournament. You're going to go to a bigger tournament. And that's, and that's not to say that they're not going to individual games, you know, in smaller tournaments. But for the most part, like there's a reason we as a program and when you guys had your program would go to Indianapolis where there's 25 fields in one spot because there's a lot of coaches there. I mean, you don't go because you like Indianapolis or the northern part of Indy. You go because there's a lot of coaches there, and maybe yeah. But as kids. we but as we discussed on our other show, they're not really plugged in unless they already know you're going to be there. They're not just randomly running around and watching random kids. They're just right. They're but not that's really part doing of, that. But but to not go there would feel like a disservice to to the kids that we have. But, but like, screw feeling like a disservice. Tell them what's up again. Like this is what we talked about. But you you do you're, tell you're them, going you back. Tell them you got your carrot. You got your carrot makeup one, and you're going back on what you said the other day. No, I'm I just think you're making a you're making college coaches decide to come like if you made them if you gave them a choice like go watch a high school game or go to a big tournament where there's a bunch of teams I think they're going to go to the big tournament. That's just my one my I don't know that for a fact. But here's but here's the other, but here's the other thing you need to remember is that those tournaments are only Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 
Thursday to Sunday, whatever. It's only half the week. Now, because high school baseball is still going, they can recruit the other half of the week. Or high school baseball could be encouraged to load their games up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Not well, not that they really would. Uh, but college baseball or, or high school? High school, baseball. Ba- high school baseball. Yeah, it's still like because there's baseball going on. There's half of the games are now available to them. So, yeah, I mean the re- the discussion we're having now, I think, is the reason you don't do it because there are two sides to this right now. And if you put it in the fall, like I like the idea of moving it to the fall over moving it into July as it currently stands. Because if you move it into the fall, you have less of this back and forth about which it, which is the better situation because you get the best of both worlds. Take weather out of it. You're getting the best of both words, worlds from a timing aspect. Uh, college coaches can come see summer how they normally see it, and they can come see in the fall. So I like that model. You know, obviously in Illinois, the weather's going to be a factor, and Indiana and Michigan and some of these states. But I mean, this is something that might be specific to Illinois. I just like it as a model uh, in an ideal, in a vacuum. You know, I know the weather doesn't cooperate all the time. Whereas if you move high school baseball back two months or a month and a half and it goes into July, now you're forcing, I think you're forcing kids and to choose may, maybe. And I think you're, I think you're making college coaches choose maybe. So that, that uncertainty, I think makes it more appealing to just move it to the fall. In okay. a perfect All right. world. Moving on. Uh, Bobby, what was the hardest workout you ever did in college? Uh, we had a thing called pushing wood. Um, basically we had, we're in the football stadium where the, where the weight room was at. And there's the ramps going up, you know, up the side of the football stadium into the different levels. That's all concrete. And you had a two by four and you had to push the two by four up the wood. So, Oh God, it was terrible. I don't know why it was so incredibly hard, but you had to keep the wood on the concrete the whole time. So you're basically like hunched over in like a bear crawl position, but you, you had your hands on top of the two by four and it was, it was a punishment. Don't get me wrong. It was not part of the workout. How do you feel about punishment run about punishment running? Hmm. I think it serves a purpose, but I don't know. I mean, I'm not for long distance running. I'm all, I'm all for short bursts of speed. So I, I prefer bear crawls as punishment because I do them currently and they're very entertaining. (laughs) Okay. Um, there was a tweet floating around that like some kids that, you know, like some baseball practices started back up recently and, uh, their coach like ran them a bunch to see who was in shape and who wasn't. And then there was also like a coach was like, like running kids to, uh, punish them for missing ground balls, like on their first practice back. And this got passed around the, the Twitter sphere a lot. How do you feel about these things? I mean, there's no feel there. You know, what, what is, how is that a measure of being in shape? If you, if you make the, your six, three, 230 pound first baseman run three miles, like that kid's going to, that kid's not in cardio shape, even if he's in the best shape of his life. Like that's, it's not a good indicator of in shape, long distance running. It's a totally different form of exercise. I'm against it. Make that kid bear crawl around the football field. Well, what if bear crawls aren't on your, your program that your coach gave you? Like, why is bear crawl? Why is bear crawl okay, but running's not? They're just both exercises. Because you know bear crawl's punishment. 
like somebody tells you to bear crawl, you're like, so you're four, so you're four, so you're four punishment exercise, but just not running specifically. Like, yeah, I don't like long okay. distance running. I'm anti long distance running, but I'm asking Personally. you in theory is punishment in today's society is punishment running a okay thing or not. Okay. Thing. Or does it depend on the context? I think it, I think it depends. I mean, there's gotta be some, there's gotta be some punishment, right? Like you can't kid can't be screwing around half the practice and just get away with it. Like there's gotta be some kind of punishment, whether it's running or bear crawls, or I don't know, they have to leave practice. I mean, how do you punish a kid nowadays? Like these kids are almost impermeable to, to being punished. Like, uh, that don't care attitude. Yeah. So obviously in college, and it was probably the same for you as it was for me. We had a summer workout and you're expected to do it. Yeah. In my, my first couple of years, especially it was pretty rudimentary because it came from the head coach, not our strength coach. So it was like run three miles and do pushups and sit-ups every other day which I actually did it as an nice. incoming scared, scared freshman, like whatever. And so we had a timed run to see who, who did, the, you know, who was in shape, like who came back serious, like ready to go, which I think is reasonable. I don't think it's the end of the world. Now in this coronavirus thing, <laughs> I don't think you should be spending your time and your first practices back punishment running them for missing ground balls. I think that's no. absurd. That's no, absurd. Crazy. They haven't seen a ground ball, what, except off their like kitchen counter, like they're bouncing tennis balls to each other in their house. Uh, but the punishment running, I'm sure a lot of coaches have said, Hey, here's your at home workout to do kids. Make sure you're still working hard so you can hit the ground running when we get back. Yeah. And then they do a little running test to see who's in shape. I don't think that's the most unreasonable thing in the world, but you also don't need to run them into the ground. Um, I think kids need to, to kids need some way of saying I'm accountable to my group and I'm expected to be in shape. And there's always consequences for things like in, jo- in, a, in, you know, in, a, in the real world, boss says, hey, we got a huge presentation on Monday. Make sure everyone's prepared and you show up unprepared. You get fired if you do a terrible job. Right. And yet in running, I think there's this movement to say, like, you should never be punishment running kids. We can punishment running run kids once in a while, like live up to the standards. Like, hey, I asked you to do this workout at home and you didn't do it. So the team's going to be punished. I don't think that's the end of the world. Now, again. If you're running with them for 90 minutes or doing some insane thing to them, sure, that's overboard. But like I've been punishment run and didn't make me go home and cry about it. And I don't think my parents would have cared either. And it just needs to be it just needs to fit the crime. Like, but again, these kids shouldn't be dropping down and puking and being like dying. And again, like you said, there is a difference between body types. You know, like you, I don't think you can punish everyone the same for, like you said, a a big boned kid who just physically is not going to be able to run as fast as someone's small and scrawny and weak like you um you know you got to have some feel as a coach like some of those things where it's like hey everyone's got to make this time and if no one may if, if even one guy doesn't make it the whole team's got to do it again it's like well six foot four 250 pound first baseman's just not going to make it coach and you, you keep running us like that's ridiculous like have some feel exactly but i mean is, it, is it like the, there's some is outrage it, is it the is it the outrage because they're being punished or is the outrage the punishment makes no sense you know, I'm all for punishing kids like, but the kid that misses. Okay. So the kid that misses the ground balls and you make him run, like, are you punishing him because he didn't glove it or are you punching yeah, him because he, he laid it? Like, yeah, that's I'm, I'm not difference. into that so much. Yeah. For me, I would punishment run kids on my team when they made mental errors in practice where they're not paying attention. Yeah. That's it. So that's, I, I'm kid, all for yeah, that. I kid, yeah. I had a kid three times in a row. I told him to, I think I just told him to hustle through whatever he was doing. And then finally, I'm like, dude, do you want to be here? Like, give me two laps. Like if you, if you don't want to hustle on the field, then hustle around the field. 
Yeah, that's so that I'm place, I think. But yeah, hundred percent. That that's the only. That's I feel like that's half the reason. But no, not for sports. not for not for missing a ground ball where, he, where he's trying hard. Like errors happen. Like we get okay, that. but yeah. but that's but that's the context, right? Like yeah, if the kid misses the ground sure. ball, like okay, take another one. But if he's getting out of the way of the ground ball, when you're like, look, I don't care if you miss it, you stay in front of the ball. Like you knock it down. Like that we do that a lot more with little guys. You know, to well, get on that the fear one, out of them. And that well, on that one's a little shakier, I think, because I think that's not necessarily addressing maybe the core problem, which is that they are scared of the ball. And I don't know that oh, running yeah. him and embarrassing him further in front of everyone else is going to change that. So it might just need to be like, look, we got to spend, you got to show up earlier or you got to stay later. And we got to, we got to work this problem out. That one I think is more on that one's iffier. Here's, here's because, my, like, here's I was, my I was a kid. I was a kid that got out of the way of ground balls. Even when I was in high school, because I never took ground balls. I was an outfielder my whole life. Okay. And then in sure. high school, my coach at his fungos, and I had a great coach. So, John, if you're listening, I mean, he did a, he did an awesome job. But John hit terrifying fungos that skidded off the gym floor, and I was just not prepared for that. I was like, oh, God, please don't. Please. Like, I, I might want to have kids someday. It was terrifying. Well, I just so didn't have the, the skills. So I needed someone to, like, say, hey, Dan, I see that you are, like, a pretty good athlete, but you're a little baby about ground balls. Do you want to show up early and maybe, like, work some of this stuff out? Because I just flinched on in-between hops. I just flinched. You know, if I could – I would try to read it. I was really good at trying to read it and try to get the big hop or the short hop. But if it was an in-between hop, like, Dan was bailing because I just didn't – I just didn't get the reps for some reason as a kid. I loved the outfield. I was good at it. I just didn't get the reps in the infield. And so I just had that flinch. Even in the pro ball, dude, I was embarrassed taking PFPs off the mound. And I was like, Dan, you're going to keep your head down. You're going to wear this in the teeth. You're in front of all these other pro guys. <laughs> Don't let like chart. It was the same thing. And I finally uh-huh. kicked it. But when you're not an infielder, that can be a real thing. And embarrassing me wouldn't have made it better. Although maybe it would have because I would have been like, keep your head down, you know. So but that's I- just me. That's not everyone. The ground ball one, I always, I always tell the kids, I'm like, look, if you get out of the way, I'm hitting it twice as hard. So yeah, but that's not good, dude. From, that's oh, not that's good. Great. That one, that no, that's not. No, oh, that's yeah, not. Oh, I was yeah. in that situation. It was that's not a good thing. That's oh, that's the best, Dan. It's the best. That doesn't, because, but because you've got to know that doesn't, that doesn't fix that does not fix the problem. You just admit right now that does not fix anything. It's a mental. It's not thing. mental. It's no. Oh, yeah. It's not when you like. Again, I. I can. I'm putting myself right back in that spot right now. I have like but sharp, you're, but photographic you're the, memories of being on that gym floor. But you're, but you're a converted, but you're a converted outfielder, right? So like, if I'm hitting you ground balls, I like I need to understand like, okay, this kid's never played infield before. But for the kid who's like my starting shortstop, whatever. But you just said, but you just said, if you get out of the way, you're gonna hit him harder. Yeah, but that's but I'm that's how I coach infielders. That's how I coach like my infielders. You're not an infielder, Dan. You're an outfielder portraying himself as an infielder well, for your high school. The other team. thing, the other thing is, I wasn't portraying myself as anything. It was just the whole team was taking ground balls. Can't get out of it. Which we're makes in, no sense. Gi- Why does that make any a sense? It, I think I think it makes sense. We're in a gym. You can't hit a fly ball. We're stuck indoors. Like it's good fielding practice. Like you feel ground balls as an outfielder. I think it had its merits. Yeah, but you don't it, feel it, ground it balls. Like one, it was just one sides one size fits all and it was scary. yeah right right so that doesn't make any sense to me like you feel ground balls coming through it like one-handed like that's yeah a like you, you need to work do. you need to work on that kind of yeah stuff, sure. i'm not i'm not peppering you like you're the third like you're but you just said baseman. that you would if you missed it you did literally this are you just you're but just words but yeah i i do that for my infielders like i'm not also i'm not making my outfielders i'm not doing that to my outfielders because it's not what their job their job isn't to you know 
use their footwork to get around a, their job. Uh, their job is to field the ball in case their job is to, to stop the ball in it's the outfield. Field the ball. I mean, and field it, field it. Same thing. Let's just be honest. The whole reason I do it is because I love to pepper fungos at children, like just full go, full swing. Like the fungos lighter, man. You can move that thing. It's like it's good bat head speed. You know, you, you know, you know what we should do. You know what I should do if I had any friends here in DC is have a fungo golf tournament right now. You can social you can, distance in a fungo golf tournament. I go all imagine over the holes. Imagine all you, over you DC. The holes. Pop it off the George Washington Monument. Who's gonna stop it? You gotta chip it onto Abe Lincoln's lap. Oh man, over What's the water that? into Thomas Jefferson's little thing. <laughs> What's the ref, the reflecting Ooh. pool? You gotta clear the pool. Clear the reflecting you gotta, pool. You gotta skip it on this. You gotta skip it. You get like a plastic ball or something. You a, gotta skip it off the pool. Dan, I'll be honest. You for sure get arrested. You couldn't do that. Like these are national. No, like no, you can no, be no. in the park, but you can't be hitting fungos around other people. I'll, I'll be honest. It would this be the, it would be a legendary fungo golf course. This is the best idea you've ever had. By Probably a long ever shot. Had. I mean, DC is very cool with parks and monuments and statues and like it's it's I I enjoy the city, but. I mean, it's a big, that's a big course being down on the national rectangle. It's, it's unbelievable. Corey, you the national I, mall. I, you could pepper the I, aeronautics. I, I, call it, I call it the national rectangle. I don't like using the word mall because it makes me think of a shopping mall. <laughs> right. <laughs> you can't there's do also, you can buy stuff there. There's also a circle um, in the center of the city called Logan Circle, but there's also Logan Square in Chicago. So I mix it up literally all the time. And Logan uh, Square, I just, that's part of I, I just call it Logan Shape now. So is there, a, is there a Logan? No, I'm square? never, I'm never, I'm never wrong. No, there's all circles in DC. Well, there are some, some, some squares obviously, but what's interesting about DC is that there's some parks that are just uh, basically homeless encampments and others that have none. And I don't know why the, there's the difference, but it's an interesting phenomenon. So and, I, and I feel, and I feel for the homeless. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's interesting seeing them so regularly. Like I see them literally every day on my walk. It doesn't matter where I go, you'll see homeless in DC. Oh, no doubt. Um, so I'm, I'm certainly not. Um, I like, I think about their plight every day and just like wonder who they are and how they got there. And it's, a, it's a sad thing. Uh, but also just wondering out loud, like why they can camp some places and not others. Some places are very permanent, like on the, on the sidewalk. There's one big tent that there's been a, a tent there since I moved to this coast again back in uh, August. And the, just the ordinances are interesting to me. I'll probably just chat with a cop about it one day, just out of curiosity. But with with your um, mask on, with my so mask on. You know what's interesting? I I was just talking about this yesterday because I used to pour. I do concrete work, you know, in the summers, and I used to work with a kid who was homeless, who was younger than me. He he wasn't homeless when we, when he worked with us, but he he had a period of time where his parents kicked him out, and he was homeless. And he would talk about panhandling, like he would do it in uh, Lincoln Square a little bit further, like north of Wrigley in Chicago. And he would mm-hmm. say on, on good days, he would make $150 panhandling. Just How old was he? He, so at the time I was probably 29, 30. He was probably 25, 26. He was a few years younger than we are. Um, but, could, you know, I was, you know, it's interesting how he, how he ended up there. Like I talked to this kid, nice kid, like not by all accounts, if you saw him, you wouldn't think homeless, but he would. He said he would just. His parents kicked him out, so he would try and couch crash, and he would just go panhandle. He didn't get a job. He'd just stand outside and ask for money by the train station. And he's like, on good days, I'd make you know 140, 150 bucks. He's like, I'd go to Lou Malnati's after and eat. And people in there 
that were working there saw him eating in there and they're like, what the hell is this? Like, we just got off the train. You were asking us for money. Now you're in here ordering $40 worth of food. Uh, it was just interesting that like, that's a, that's a good amount of money in cash per day, like 150 bucks. Well, and that's probably not common. But um, that's, you know, these, these guys. And that's also, unfortunately, that's, that's a sad story in, in that that's what he's spending his money on after that, rather than like, no, for sure. I gotta, I gotta get like, that's not a good thing to do to spend four, drop 40 bucks on, on your meal afterwards. But he's uh, the, the fact that he made that kind of money. I mean, that's well, and that's the other thing about coronavirus right now is no one's given anyone anything. No, that's a, it's another tough aspect of it because I mean, especially in, uh, in DC, it's, it's very tied the coronavirus to socioeconomic status. You can just tell like the areas of DC that it's affected by, are the the poorer wards where people are a little more are closer together. And as I walk out, like when I go for a walk later, um, right across, like not right across the street, but there's like, I was watching them yesterday. There was a group of like 15 people all on these outdoor tables, just like playing dice or uh, dominoes or cards with each other. Just, they're just like sitting and some, and like some have masks on, some have their masks pulled down. It's like, okay, this is clearly not helping anyone. I went to the but, dentist. But, but the point is, I mean, a lot of these people are homeless or they're home insec- housing insecure is the term, I think. And those groups, because again, they're, they're still like around each other all day. That's why it's spreading more there. Whereas if you have the means to stay inside, it's not so much. So the, it's um, funny. Again, it's funny about the masks. It's, you a said. Sad, it's a sad situation. It really is. They pull their masks down. Like I was at the dentist and obviously I didn't, I was, he wasn't, I didn't have a mask on because I was getting my teeth you gotta cleaned. have a mask on when you're getting your teeth cleaned and <laughs> you gotta the, have your mask on so the dentist had had two masks on and a plastic like welder shield and i couldn't yeah. understand a word this guy was saying and he's talking and i was like i'm like dude you could take it off if you're comfortable i can't understand what the hell you're saying like you're asking me questions and he's five feet from my face and i couldn't understand a word this guy was saying <laughs> i was like i'm like yeah. look man Either gonna stop talking, or he needs to like to back up, take it off. I don't, and... I don't remember a word my dentist ever said to me. <laughs> right? Well, he's Not like, like asking me. He's asking me questions like, "Does this hurt? Does this hurt?" But I couldn't understand him at the time, and he's just like, "I like you, like you." I looked like an idiot because I'm just like nodding, like, "Oh yeah, buddy." I don't know what Doctor Kavorkian. Like, I don't know what you're saying. Why don't you just use your words, Bob, and just say, "I can't hear you, sir." I I'd did. Love I answer. did. I was like, I'm like, I, I don't, I can't hear you, and he's like. He said something again. I was like, I, I don't know. Like, I felt like an idiot. I'm like, I don't know, sir. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Well, that's a that's a profession where you're all, all up in their mouth. Like, you're definitely going to get it. So they got to be pretty well protected uh, for sure. Being a dentist, can we just can we talk? Like, uh, I don't want to talk about dentistry. No, I don't. I don't want to talk is about there, dentistry. Is there all. a word? Is more? Ugh, you got to dig in someone's mouth. It's like podiatry. Like, who? Why? 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 Uh, I don't think it's the same as podiatry. But like the most disgusting, much more objectively gross than teeth. Although teeth are. I remember hearing this story about these like Nordic like seamen who had like this green slime on their teeth. Seamen, men who are out at sea, Uh, idiot. (laughs) Like this green slime on their teeth and that like underneath this slime, they had like pearly whites, but it was just like this disgusting coating that they formed or something. I don't know. Uh, It's a strange anecdote. It's disgusting. Um, My hardest workout in college was... Uh, well, there's just, we just, we worked hard a lot. Like everyone does now, but there was this one time right before Thanksgiving, we did this like crazy, like suicide ladder, like one touch, three touches, five touches, seven touches. 
Yeah. Very little rest. Um, and then as we started to go down, we got to like to 21 or something, then started coming down. So I'm like 20, then 18, then 16. It was a lot of like hard running. Obviously it doesn't become a sprint at that point, but, um, when we did that, we expected to be done at one. And I like, was like, I was uh, by my like sophomore year, I was like leading the pack and all that stuff. I have like good, a good VO two max. My dad was a, a champion runner that kind of runs in the family. So I could like run, I was never the fastest sprinter and I was never like the first in a distance race, but I could like crush baseline to baselines. I could just cruise like 85% for a long, long time. Right. So I was like leading the pack and like getting my second win and like getting ready to finish. And I finish, and then he goes, all right, 42 touches in like six and six minutes and 40 seconds or something like that. What? And I was like, I was like mentally, you know, you're like giving your last bit cause you're mentally done. And then he says that. And I was like, are, are you joking? I thought he was actually joking. Yeah. And he goes, terrible. no, no. And I was like, Oh, and then we had to do like 42 touches or something. I, and, I uh, hate but it was that. a good, I'm it was a good learning moment. Yeah, it wasn't great. Um, and it was just like a jog for most people, but it was a good learning. And I know this is why I did it. It was a good learning experience because I thought I like gave, I like emptied my gas tank. Right. But I didn't like mentally I had to like summon it again and like keep going. And so that stuff is, you look back on, on that, like helping you as an athlete, people really don't know their limits at all. Like they really, really don't. No, and you don't, a, not unless you're put in that situation. That. Right. Mm hmm. Yeah, I'm getting a text on the side here, Dan, and uh, from my buddy Vince. Vince, what's up? And he says he's just laughing about my comment. I love peppering fungos a little children, and just I just want to reiterate that for those out there, like if you have not hit fungos at kids, this is your this is your opportunity to get out, hit some fungos, you know, get that I, swing back, get that high school swing back, and just hit some fungos at some kids. I would love to have a fungo meetup. I, cause I'm, I'm a good, like, certainly there's people who have more pop than I do, but I can hit a fungo really damn far and really damn high. Like I am a really good fungo hitter, like out, like fly balls. I pride myself on it. I can hit some pretty mean catcher pop, catcher pop-ups too. That's a difficult um, task. That is a skill. Is. That is an absolute I skill. I got a good, it's the toss. It's got to be almost behind your head and you really have to know how to get into your back hip and go up and get it to quote, quote Richard Skank. Um, I can hit some scary catcher pop-ups and infield pop-ups, but I would love to just like get out there and just like, we have like a contest or something like fungo skills challenge. We can be social distanced. You can easily keep six feet apart from each other. Just got there. There's whale balls. Just bring we can those. do it. You and I can do it on zoom. We could do this. We can go outside 9am. Well, all right. Well, that makes no sense, but, um, sure, we could do it. It'll be fun. So if you're a, if you're a coach in the DC area where I, which I guarantee there's no one probably listening who fits that bill, let's go hit funga somewhere. Maybe there's a greenhouse. Maybe there's a greenhouse. My dream field would be there. There'd be a greenhouse, like just over left center, where if you hit it really, really well, you get it out of the ballpark and then it shatters into the greenhouse. That's, that's my life goal. <laughs> Or Vandalism. a huge warehouse, like a Camden, Camden Yard style warehouse. And if you just, uh, the, the farther you hit it, the higher of window you can shatter. That very like underrated. A, like a dream. Camden Yards, very underrated big league park. Aesthetically. It's not, it, it's not underrated. It's beloved. It's underrated. I mean, like, it, it's not underrated. People, I, I mean, people that know ballpark construction, Camden Yards was like the, was like the archetype for a long awesome. time. When they were constructing new ballparks, they were 
considering how Camden Yards did it in their designs. It's unbelievable. It's like well, it's a, well it's known really, in the architecture really side of it. Yeah, it is great. Little known fact, little known fact. The the warning track at Camden Yards is uh, artificial like rubber. Uh, did you know really? that, Dan? Yeah. No. It's not, it's not dirt. That's got to be new, though. New-ish. Mm, There's ten, no way it's been like that forever. 10 years, 10 years minimum. I haven't okay. been there and I haven't been there in 10 years. So I know that's what it was when I was there. I love Camden Yards. I love the Orioles logo. I used to have, I need a new black Orioles hat. I don't have one at the moment or it just got so grimy. I love those two things. Everything really, else about the ball club. I hate just, yeah. they just did abysmal job announcing the games. They were like one of the last ones to adopt 1080p when high def just came out. They were on like 720 for forever. And I'm like, why are we watching this trash? Like, I'm going to go watch any other team in, in 1080. Because back then, 1080 was like, wow, this is amazing, like how sharp this is. I, I think still they have like good 720 an, for forever. I think they have good, uh, good announcers, though. I mean, I don't listen to Orioles games that often. Uh, Mike Bordick. I'm a big fan of Mike Bordick, personally. That's now. That's now. I'm talking, 10, I'm talking five years and beyond. Jim it Palmer? Was just a mis, it was a mis, Yep, Jim Palmer, one of the most boring. I mean, obviously a great pitcher and, and insightful, but, oh, just so boring. And then his partner was like Buck Martinez, maybe, or Buck. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe Buck. not Buck Martinez. They just did an abysmal job. It was the most boring, terrible to look at ball, like with a with a mediocre to terrible team. Everything about the Orioles just sucked, except their logo and their ballpark. So Good mascot. That's why I'm not on board with the, the Orioles. Big, uh, they, they do have good – they do have good outside of their baseball playing. Everything else is good. Like the logo, like you said, they have a great, great mascot. Logo, great ball, great ballpark. Yep, love the love the Orioles lo- mascot. I do like where the stadium is at. Like I've been around the stadium. I like that yeah. little that if area. You mur- if you want to get murdered, you have a great chance uh, anywhere Dan, in the downtown Baltimore area. It's, it's a rush, Dan. It's a rush. You want to? You want to? Yeah. You want to give a mugger your money? Which do you want to share your story, Bobby? Uh, so I'm, I, I just recently, I'm changing facilities. I sold my, some facility equipment. So I had, I had a lot of cash in, in my backpack with my computer and all my business related documents. Um, this is last Friday, a week ago. So after we did the show, I go down by the lake or I go do my stuff. I sell some stuff. I go to the lake, got my backpack in my car, lock my car, go for a run, come back. I was gone for about an hour backpack's gone money's gone just um papers are all over my car is just a disaster which it normally is anyways but even more and your car is a, a jeep wrangler so how do they get into it so i would uh, from the passenger side like it i don't know how i didn't see it obviously but i would assume based on the paint chipped off right on the side like above the handle that wedged it in there and you just got really loud sorry but yeah, so my, all my stuff and honestly, like it was, it was a good amount of money, a sizable amount of money. And I, you know, money aside, like money comes and goes the flash drive with all my business documents and like all the spreadsheets, I wanted to cry. I was like, no, not this, not this flash drive, the $10 flash drive I had. So I'm currently in the process of redoing all these Excel spreadsheets and I hate Excel. What did you learn from this, Robert? That I need to move out of chicago why don't you have all that stuff in the in a, like in dropbox or something you gotta have some redundancy man i do so that's the thing not that I you need it. not that you need someone to come down to you for this because it's that's 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 rough man but. so that's the thing is i have uh i have it in my OneDrive, but i didn't have 
updated stuff because I had just gotten a new laptop. So like I, I wasn't currently saving the stuff to my OneDrive. It was just going into mm-hmm. my flash drive. Basically, long story Good short, order. I hate whoever this person was. And I'm on a vigilante. I'm on a vigilante investigation currently, seeking you, out. I assume you filed a police report. Yeah, I filed a police report. Uh, my insurance, my homeowner insurance, does not cover it, unfortunately. Um, really? Yeah, they only cover a small a small amount in cash, and the deductible would more. You know, it wouldn't make any sense. Um, but I do have police officer friends that got me access to a few security cameras, so. If that guy's listening, which he probably is, because this is probably the most popular podcast on Friday mornings, um, I'm coming. I'm like, I'm, I'm already, I'm, I'm this close. I'm sniffing him out. I just can't believe you left that backpack in your car, though, even for a second, man, with the amount of money you said it was in it. Yeah, I know. That's well. I can't believe I'm you did too that. trusting. I'm too trusting of a person, obviously. You have a Jeep Wrangler. The doors are made That's of vinyl. Tank. That's a tank. vinyl. They're made of vinyl. <laughs> Again, what did you learn from all this? Uh, nothing. Nothing. Oh my God. When Lucas, uh, Lucas Cook, who was on the show last weekend, my, uh, or last Friday, my, uh, former business partner, when we sold a lot of our equipment, when we sold the business, we had sizable gobs. We got paid in cash where we were like, but we were taking bricks of cash. We had like multiple, multiple, multiple bricks of cash. It was scary. And we, we went home with this money and we were like, Okay. Where do we put you're, not, you're, you're not allowed to leave your house. Well, I took a little more than half of it. He took a little less than half of it because it, it didn't divide exactly equally. But like, you cannot go out and do anything. You leave this, staying under your bed. <laughs> do not leave the house. No one comes over. And I'll see you at the bank at, as soon as they open at 9 a.m. Like, it was, it was a disturbing um, just amount of cash that we had on us. And it was like, it felt uncomfortable. So, and I don't know. If you want me to put you in touch with my mattress guy, the secure mattresses. Mm. I'll get, I got you. Mm, mm, mm. Like That's exactly safe. where everyone goes. They know that I put, <laughs> exactly. I, I put, I put it in my fake toaster. Now the loose, the loose floorboards or the vent that pops conveniently right off the wall. That's where you keep your cash. I think a good place would be if you could pull the, like the, the outside sheeting or like not sheeting is other word, but like the, what do you call the outside metal of like your refrigerator? Like I'm looking oh, at my like stainless stainless like stainless. Yeah, you, you yeah. pull the paneling off your refrigerator. You can tuck stuff in there. That'd be a good, good, good gig. You must have saw that on Better Call Saul. Or, uh, no, I just, or, I just uh, made no, it up no, just no. now. It just seems like a good hiding spot. No, I don't personally hide Saul. cash. And we deposited our cash. Like we're good, normal taxpayers. Like we didn't want that much cash on us. Ugh. So, no, but no, I, uh, I wasn't going to leave it in a vinyl, vinyl doored vehicle. That's the only thing I was not going to do. So. Oh, did I mention that my Jeep has no no top on it and no uh, no windows either? No, that's not true. Well, but vinyl, normally, it's just like, oh, I have a knife. I've, I'm in your car now. I own this car now. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's got works. the hard, it's got the hard top and the hard hard doors on it. It's not summertime. Oh, Chicago, yeah. you have your you have your hard doors on. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Like a normal car. Like almost. It's like a it's like a golf cart with real doors on it. Okay. Well, then I take back the admonishment. I apologize. Thank That's you. Annoying. But but still, I I would know. I would have kept that on my my person. Yeah, it's still it's it's a time. I'm currently looking it's, at it's organs rough. organ sale to recoup the lost. You got two. I got well, two kidneys. What do I need both of them for? It seems greedy. That's true. It's funny. I'll share. Before we wrap up, I'll share a personal story. 
my <laughs> in college because I studied philosophy. We talked about the ethics of lots of different things. I I really enjoyed my my philosophy at my ethical classes. One of which was, hey, there are lots of people every year who die waiting for a kidney, right? On these wait lists, and everyone has two kidneys. Where you can, it's well known, you can give away a kidney. Your body will pick up the slack, and it'll do the job just fine with one. So. The question was, why don't so many more people give away their other kidney and help these people who needlessly die every year? And um, it's a good it's a it's a good question because again, like there's people on the waiting list right now that can't get a kidney of their blood type, whatever, and they will pass away before they get one. That's sad. So uh, my family was in Spain and visiting my sister who was teaching English in Spain, and my mom who is a wonderful, wonderful woman and very kind and caring. She's talking about, I don't know, something about ethics. I don't know. She's talking about something about how, oh, I think this is what it was. She was talking about how some, there was like a recent, someone died in the news or there's a, maybe like a national, like a disaster kind of thing, like a plane crash or a famine or something. She was talking about yeah. how just it, it really upsets her and how she cares so much. And I said, mom, you don't really care that much. You're just saying that you do because you don't actually do anything about it. I'm like, you can't care about everyone who dies around the planet. Like there's, there's good people dying right now all over the planet, right? Little kids, women, children, men, good people, bad people. There's so many people dying. There's so many people suffering. You like, you really can't say that you care about all of them. She's like, yes, I do. I'm like, no, you don't like, just be honest. Like I know you care about lots of people, but you don't care about all these people suffering. You don't have the capacity to that. And it doesn't really matter it, when you say that you really care, or this, this really upsets you. It does. It's essentially useless if you don't act on it. Right. Like me saying how sad it is to see all these homeless people. I don't do anything for them currently. So when I say that it makes me feel sad or that it upsets me or that I care a lot about homeless, I don't care enough to act on it. Right. Like, I think you're, you could rightfully call me out on that and say, well, if you care so much, why don't you do something, Dan? Which is a valid point, right? I think it's valid. Sure. When you actually care, you act. So I said, mom. <laughs> How <laughs> um, old are you? How old I, are you at this point? Uh, 24, 25. Okay. And I said, mom. And I said, mom, if you care so much about stopping suffering, you have two kidneys. <laughs> you should give away one of your kidneys. And I said, mom, you'll save a life that doesn't have to otherwise go away. And she said, you know what, Daniel, I will. And I think like a year later, she was like, you know what? You're right. She's like, I didn't, I didn't do it. And um, it was like a big process and kind of painful and kind of scary. And she just didn't do it. So this is not um, a knock on my mother. She's an amazing human. Uh, it's really just me being <laughs> that like, like you're just you're j- that jabbing, jabbing at her son well i i do and this is what i jab about with you like again i was today, just i, I, I was I just conceded, gonna say i was just I gonna say like that i see i try to be balanced and not just take trump because i do think he's an objectively just awful human but i try to be on both sides of things and like see things as, as clearly and objectively as i can um and so like i i, I take those jabs at at other people just for logical consistency. Cause I'm like, look, mom, if you really care, then you can do, this is the thing you can do to prove it. Right. And it's so funny. My mom, it's so my funny mom, to me. My mom helps so many people. She runs a not, she ran a nonprofit for a long time. She runs a new nonprofit, like 
they got their stimulus check. My parents gave it away to a local food bank. Like they're amazing people. So this is this was me just being that ornery this child. Is just Dan. Um, this is this is peak Dan. And I this I love that Dan. I I love that I can that your mother and I have this bond, this unknown bond, because I I feel like in that moment she was how I how I am. For those of you watching this, and if you're not frequent watches watchers of this podcast, you should be. Um, this is what this is my role on the podcast. I am Dan's mother on this podcast right now. That's that's well, a, that's a, that's a specific. That way. <laughs> that's a that's a very uh, great. That's a great story for me. I, I really appreciate. I need to like connect with you know Facebook message your mother and be like, I, look, I understand what happened at, in Spain, and I and I'm, um, my sympathies. Well, you know, I think people just. I think sometimes we need to be pushed like again with me like i do think about the homeless in dc a lot and it it does affect me in some way and i hope that in some period of time in the near future i do something about it because i do care but there's obviously a lot of people that care a lot more than i do because they actually do something about it they help them right yeah so i think and i think that's just important for everyone to 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 remind themselves of like if you're watching the news and you're like so affected by some of the coronavirus suffering, people out of work, people who are, are ill, people who need things, then then donate, like do something about it. I think we all need to still be pushed to do that stuff, myself think, included, yeah. all of us. Like it's just it's just a lesson for everyone that there's always something you can do. And a lot of times we just don't choose to. I think a good and, example of what's happening now is uh, is like restaurants, like people are, you know, there's there's a lot there's a very big push right now, like, you know get takeout, support your local businesses. And I think, I really think people are doing it. Like I am, you know, we order out, you know, once or twice a week from different places in the neighborhood that we know the people and, you know, you try and support your friends. And I mean, it's, it's, you know, it might be unrealistic to order out every night or something like that, but I think people are taking a little bit more ownership than, than most, uh, especially right now, Dan, you're smiling. I know you've got some, some, some smart ass thing to say to me right now. And <laughs> no, it's well, this is weird. I, I forgot. So my mom just a group texted my family and she said today she's I don't think she's listening, but on 522, a day of paradox for Dan on this day, he started baseball 2008 and he blew out his elbow 2012. So thinking of you, she put two frog emojis because that's my spirit animal, Dan. So um, and little does little, do, little do you know, or little does day. you know that that Dan is Dan's auctioning off one of her kidneys on a, on his podcast this morning. Yeah. Well, so, so I didn't realize today is uh, May, May 22nd. So this is a, this is a, this is like my 4th of July. Do you know what May 22nd is Robert? Well, according to your mother, this is the, is this the, your, your first elbow surgery or not surgery, but the day that you found out. Uh, May 22nd, 2008. I was on the mound in our conference tournament in college and I blew my elbow out and came out of the game in the sixth inning with two outs. Two years to the exact day later, I made my pro debut and I went five and two thirds innings before getting pulled. Hmm. So this so is a end, monumental, this is too monumental. Big, it's a, it's a, it's a eerie coincidence. It's a, it was a big day. That was the day I, I rose and, or I fell and I rose again. So May 22nd. You're like so, yeah. Jesus. This is this is your Christmas. You're Jesus. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's a like I said, it's a really strange coincidence. Um, it's a unique coincidence, and uh, yeah, 
So it was a big day because it, it was so strange. I, I've told the story in a previous podcast and it's in my book. Um, but, but yeah, I, uh, I made that start in Evansville, Indiana, and I came out of the game and I was like, man, it's like that same time of year. Like, this is like the third week of May. Like, you know, that's the same time as the conference tournament. Like the last time I pitched competitively, I'm like, I wonder what that day was. And when I got home and I checked on my laptop, I was like, the exact same day. And I went the exact same amount of innings, five innings full with two thirds or two outs in the sixth. Strange. So, and the last batter that I faced who I couldn't get out, like I was trying to get the third out and get off the mound because there were like 15 scouts in the stands and I was throwing well. And I didn't think I, I didn't think I blew my elbow out in that game in college. The guy who hit, he had like an 11 or 12 pitch at bat against me. I like, I couldn't get, I'm like, I'm like, dude, just ground out. He ended up sneaking a ground ball down the third baseline for a double. And then I had to come out. I had to like do this and come out of the game. He, uh, he became my teammate in 2012. A guy named Steve Marino. And just a strange, I didn't know that either. So we were teammates. I'm like, you get to know each other. I'm like, wait, you went to Stony Brook? I'm like, were you there this year? He's like, yeah. I'm like, were you there? And we were playing in the conference room. I'm like, he was like, yeah. I'm like, what position did you play? He's like, third base. I'm like, it was you. You, you bastard. <laughs> It was so weird. I mean, he's like, he's a great, great dude. Um, it's just funny coincidences of life, but, and, and oddly enough, I got an argument with uh, a teammate from the Jersey area over nine 11 with the same thing in 2014. We were just sitting in the clubhouse. It was like game 94 or some random day. And, uh, he was, maybe, maybe it was in September. Maybe it was September 11th. We were still playing in Atlantic league at that point, but, he, you know, he was just saying like, oh, you know, 9-11 changed everything. And I'm like, what did it change in your life, Ryan? And he's like, it changed everything. I'm like, what did it change in your life? Right. And, it, and the answer was essentially nothing. And I'm like, I'm like, look, man, it was a tragedy. Like, I get that. I'm like, I just, I feel like people say things that they just don't mean. I'm like, did you do, did you do something different? Did you go help out? Did you donate money? Did you like change your, I'm like, aside from like airport security, nine 11 was a tragedy, but most people it didn't affect their life at all. You know, unless you lost someone, you like something like something happened and that's an unpopular take. I get it. But I was just, and I, I wasn't like trying to stir the pot. I was just asking him like, you say it changed everything. What did it change for you as someone who lives in the general area? And the answer was essentially nothing. And he didn't like that. <laughs> he didn't like being have to think of it that way. He, he it got pretty heated, understandably. I could. But, I wish. I wish I was there for that. I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> but and I didn't do that often. I think he and I were like we would kind of jab at each other. But it was just like one of those things. It's like, dude, like it, like it. It's a tragedy. Like objectively, so many people lost loved ones. It was such a heroic thing for so many people. But for most people, like their life went on the same. And I, that's what I just, this whole thing is like, you feel, um, everyone feels this like empathy for other humans, which is great. But a lot of times it just doesn't lead us to act when we probably should do something about it. Like he could have, like, we all could do something more. And I think we should be pushed to do that. So anyway, I like my kidneys currently. So, well, it is, it is a, it's a, it's a thing, you know, like, yeah. Like, why don't I have the, the guts to donate my kidney? Like we're just, I'm not. saving them for a family member. Like what if my dad needs a kidney? I'm going to have to, I got to give him one. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a scary thing. I mean, it's still a major surgery. 
You're even though it's taking, a quick surgery, I mean, it's, it's just, it's still your body you're getting cut into and you could, you, you could need it later on. You get hit with a baseball in the kidney and, and lose one. And that's it for you. Oof. If you don't have the other. So would I get those, it back? Could I get it back? <laughs> then you're on the list. No, well, no, if you don't have a, if you, if you only have one kidney and it gets hit and injured and fractured, I guess they're kind of they have like a hard kind of consistency. Apparently you can fracture one of my friends fractured his kidney Oof. in baseball when I was a kid. He got like ran to first base, got kneed by like the first baseman, and it fractured his kidney. And he had he was had to like, have emergency surgery, almost died from it. But if you only have one and it gets injured, like I think you just die. I think that's it for you. But so couldn't I get? Of, I mean, that's couldn't I scary. get my kidney back? Like, couldn't my dad like give it back to me? Then he dies. What? What are you talking well, about? It, I mean, what what if what happened? Like, you what gave happens? him one, and so he only has one, and you have one. You're like, hey, dad, give me, give me that back. That doesn't make sense. What are you well, saying? Like, I mean, hey, what's eye for an eye like help me out i just helped you out i gave you you know give me give me you, it back oh, I, you, you got 10 good years out of it now give it back <laughs> Not the it's way like a, like borrowing somebody a shovel uh all right dan okay. well this is so before we wide, wrap up we have wide, to, wide ranging friday go ahead well before we wrap up we have to give a shout out to our unofficial sponsor jepson's malort um it's probably a little too early for me to have a have a few drinks of jepson's malort but I will be I will be partaking later on today. So, Jepson, Mr. Jepson, if you're listening, um, I'll be seeing you a little bit later today. Dan, you've got some at the house. Don't be afraid. It's almost noon there. It's almost twelve o'clock. Yeah, might as well just pack the day in, right? Just hey. get after it, huh? We support our sponsors on this show. So, other potential sponsors listening, like we we really, I yeah, I to be clear, they're not, a, they're not they're not a sponsor. Just so we don't get in trouble, but um, unofficial. But yeah unofficial uh they would never sponsor us but yeah so thank you for listening uh thank you for helping me with my audio issues earlier just me being careless but uh leave us a review on itunes or spotify if they do itunes or spotify reviews i don't know anyway we'd really appreciate a review it helps us out helps grow the show um subscribe on youtube uh and we'll see you back here on tuesday for morning brushback see ya Say goodbye. 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 Have some manners. See you Tuesday.